1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to be reading together for uh, verses 14 through 16. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll read all, all three of these verses in unison, 14 through 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. Let's begin. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on and in the world, received up into glory. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the house of God called the church. I pray that you'd help us today. Help us as we open its pages, as we preach its truth. Lord, would you do a special work in our hearts and in our church in a special way today. Uh, Lord, would you uh, get the honor and glory for what takes place. Thank you for all of your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 1 Timothy chapter 3, I want you to look at verse number 13 one more time. This, to me, is a very powerful verse. I want to share a truth with you today. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtst to behave thyself, I want you to notice the next words. In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, today I want to talk to you about the house of God. The house of God. I'm going to make a couple statements at the beginning. I hope you don't feel they are arrogant. They're not intended to be. I will apologize in advance if they're received that way. But I'm so glad that I grew up in church. I'm glad I grew up in a King James only, independent, fundamental, Bible thumping, hell preaching, salvation, uh, window rattling, shingle pulling Baptist church. Uh, I don't make any bones about it. Uh, I'm very thankful that I did. This is the part that may sound a little bit off to you. I'm thankful you have a pastor that understands that. I mean that. Uh, I know what church should be. I was taught the old-fashioned way, not the newfangled way. Uh, I don't have any more newfangled blood in me than I have liberal blood in me. There's two things I would be lousy at. Being a woman and being a liberal. I couldn't do either and don't want to do either. Amen. Uh, I would be the ugliest and meanest woman you ever met. And and I could not be a liberal because I'm too stubborn. Uh... You see, I, I live and breathe the right kind of church. Uh, I'm going to make a statement here. Brother Anthony, step up here for a second. It's one reason I hired this man. He's grown up the same way. I want your children to know what he 
and I know. Uh, let's see here. Um, Brother Scott, stand up. Uh, face everybody. Brother Scott didn't grow up like Brother Anthony and I. <laughs> Brother Scott had a rough past. He has a rough present too, but now wait a minute. I thank God for Brother Scott. And there's not a, the, the, honestly, there's not many men in the world better than Scott Garner. But he and I, under, Brother, Brother Anthony, I understand more about church work in a different way. And because of that, we could help better. Thank you, man. Thank you. And I, I did not mean to embarrass Brother Scott. I know I didn't because it'd take a whole lot more than that. Now, let me help you with something. I'm not about to let some brand new baby Christian be more excited about God and salvation than I am. Amen. Yes. Brother Aaron, you've been saved, what, two years now? You think I'm going to let somebody that's only been saved two years outshout somebody that's been saved over 50 years? You think I'm going to let somebody that's lived in the world for 60 years before he got saved? <laughs> But he lived 45, 46 years before he ever got saved, being more excited about being saved than me? No way. Uh, I, I, I was with a young preacher this week in his 20s. Oh, I have children older than he. Uh, and I, 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 it was, matter of fact, it was Brother John Mark C. who preached our revival with us. I said, Brother John Mark, I said, I get a little tired of. Christians like you and me that grow up grumpy that they're saved. I said, I'm not about to let a bunch of new baby Christians out get excite, more excited about being saved than me. Man, we were having a spell in my truck. We were shouting and carrying on. You say, why? Because I'm not a, it, it takes, it takes more grace for someone to make it like me than it does Brother Scott. Say, wait a minute, look what God saved Brother Scott from. Yeah, but look what God kept me from. Everybody in the world can go the way your your past is. Not everybody can grow up saying, I didn't do that. I've never tasted alcohol. Never sucked on a cancer stick. If God wanted you to smoke, he'd have put a chimney on your head. And God didn't intend for it to go out your nose because that's pointing down. The chimneys don't point down. Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun right now. That's just good, good, good redneck knowledge. Amen. But I'm not about to let somebody who lived in the world, like the world, live for the devil, be more excited about being saved than somebody that didn't have to go into the world. And I want your kids to understand it's all right. To be excited and be saved. Hey, I, I get more excited and wound up about preaching on the blood and preaching salvation than anything. Amen. You want to see me come unscrewed, watch me preach on the blood sometime. You say, why? Because one day I'm going to see the very blood Amen. that washed away my sins. Amen. And I'm no better than anybody else, but thank God I got saved at four and a half, started preaching at 13, and I'm not looking back. I also know how important the church is to a spiritual life. Not just being saved, but I know how important church and the right kind of church is to the saved person. 
Listen to this, these next two statements. The same price was paid for the church as was paid for our salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ bought your salvation, but according to the book of Acts, it also bought and paid for the church. Here's the statement. I just happen to think that if his blood was good enough to save me, that it's also then important enough for me to go to the place that cost the same blood to pay for my sin. Don't you? Now, I realize there's more complicated thinkers out there than me. Some of them are messed up. God didn't make the gospel hard. He made it simple for people like you and me. Brother Barnes and I were out making visits and talking to folks yesterday, and I told a feller, I said, uh, we're not real fancy. We're old-fashioned. We just kind of tell it plain and simple like it is. He said, well, old-fashioned's good. I said, yes, it is. This newfangled stuff doesn't impress God, nor does it impress me. But I figure that if the blood of Jesus is required for me to get saved, and the blood of Jesus is what God bought the price for the church for, I guess I ought to go to the church that bought my salvation and my church. I want you to notice God calls the church the house of God. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, In the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Wow. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've met some great people. I've been in great people's homes. Uh, I, I've been around great people, and uh, it's an honor to sometimes go to someone's home and meet them. Can I tell you something? I get to go to God's house. Amen. I was walking across down the sidewalk this morning, and I said, God, you gave me a key to your house. I can't even believe it. I, I get to open God's house. Every day. I get to be here at his house. There's just something about that. It's a personal thing. But I want you to notice something that God says. The house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now that term living God, if you look it up, The word used for God there is the word omnipotent or all-powerful, almighty God. The church is the house of the almighty, all-powerful God. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm about to shout, so hang on. That's exciting, but the next statement is the most powerful of all of them. The pillar and ground of the truth. Now, the pillar, that's not what you put your head on last night when you went to bed. That's your pillow, not your pillar, amen? Uh, But not only is the church the house of God, but it's also the pillar and the ground of truth. 
I want to talk to you today about that. Number one, the church is the house of God, not our house. (laughs) I spend more time here than my house, (laughs) but it's not my house. When we were building this building, you all didn't get to see the inside of it once it was closed. You didn't pick out the colors. You didn't pick out the furnishings. You say, why? Because it's not your house. It's God's house. God's man used a couple of God's ladies to help him because he's colorblind. But the, the ladies that helped me will tell you, I had it real close to where we were at. I just needed them picking out the right shades. I mean, every piece of tile in the hallway and in the back rooms, the carpet, the chairs, the decorations on the walls, the paint colors. The only colors I did not choose were the ones in her office. I let her choose what she wanted. You say, why? Because that's her office, not mine. I didn't pick yours. They're yours to pick. Now, somebody else painted them, but he assumed them, amen? But I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't pick the, their office colors, but everything else in this building, I personally chose. You say, why, preacher? Because I happen to know more about the house of God than anybody else here. I know what works best for the house of God. You say, well, I wouldn't have chose that. Right, because it's not your house, it's God's house. We're not here to pick things out for your living room. This is God's living room. Uh, everybody doing okay? I know the purpose of each room. I, I, I know what needed to be done, and uh, we didn't need to have church fights over. Well, I don't like that color. I think it should be three shades this way. With 100 people, you'll have 200 opinions of what everything should be. Because everybody's going to change their own opinion after they see it. No, I don't like that. And we didn't give that. First time we, you all got to see this thing done, we were moving in. And you were like, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard somebody say, well, preacher, are you going to? It doesn't matter. Well, I wouldn't have. Well, it's not your house. Don't worry about it. It's God's. This is the house of God. There's a reason the paints are the colors they are. It's not psychology. It's just a matter of comfort and warmth and brightness and cheeriness and uh, you have to also understand there's a bigness about this building there's more square footage in this auditorium than most of you have in your whole house there's 6,000 square feet in this building there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of paint there's a lot of a lot of things in this building you see we need to treat God's house as his house in the way he wants not as our house the way we want If you went to the White House, and we had a real president, uh, (laughs) sorry, but if you went to the White House, you would be expected to act in a certain way. Uh, And I I don't mean that, uh, I'm not not correcting something here, I'm just going to make some statements. You wouldn't go to the White House and prop your feet up on the furniture everywhere. You wouldn't uh, be running around screaming and hollering and playing tag in the hallways. Then why do we do it at the house of God? 
And I'm not saying it's a holy place, but there ought to be a place of respect. Did you know that you would not walk behind the desk of the Oval Office? There are sensors there that if you get too close and you aren't wearing the right, uh, right equipment to allow you, the alarms go off and you will be <laughs> assisted out or carried out, whether alive or dead. You say, just, yeah, just because. It's not intended for you, it's intended for somebody else. And there's proper protocols. And uh, can I say something? Though this is not the White House, it's more important, it's God's house. There's nothing holy about this platform. Thank God there's no holes in it too, but uh, there's nothing holy about it. But I don't think that the platform of the church and the pulpit of the church ought to be a place we play. Uh, You say, why? Because I think it sends a bad signal. It's God's house. It's a gathering place of God's family, not a holy place for rituals. You come to my house, kick shoes off. We're going to sit down and eat and jaw a while, amen? It's a, a place for family. When my kids get there, oh, is it loud. The carrying on and the, uh, the fun and everything else. And I enjoy being with the family. Can I tell you something? I enjoy when it's just my wife and I too. It's quiet. You see, it's a gathering place. (laughs) Did you know God wants you to be at his house? God wants you to be at his house. Uh, God wants us to be there. He set times for us to be there so that we could gather together. And get called out from this nasty, dark, evil world. Come together and have a little family time with God. Uh, may I say something? Uh, <laughs> we ought to follow his rules. Amen. <laughs> you can say what you want about this. When my kids were little, I didn't move the furniture and I didn't take things off the, the end tables and everywhere else. They learned a word. No. And they learned when they heard no, that mom and dad meant no. So much that when my oldest was born, somebody in the church bought him a shirt that said, my name is (laughs) no-no. He learned to say no before he learned to say (laughs) dada. You say, why? We had a powwow a couple times. He'd reach for something, I'd say no, and I'd pull his hand back. He'd reach for it again, and I would smack his hand, and he'd pull it back. We did that for 20 minutes one day to where he, he would, and whack. He'd say, why didn't you just move it? No, it's time for him to learn no. Amen. Right. doing all right? I don't think we ought to rearrange the house for grandkids. Amen. If they come to my house, there'll be rules they'll follow. Yeah. Preacher. Yeah, there will be. Don't touch my guns. Amen. They'll be put up. But even if they are, there's other things in that house should not be touched. I shouldn't have to rearrange my house because the grandkids are coming. Everybody doing all right? Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, wait a minute. You say why? Because there are certain rules to follow. They know they're not going to backtalk their mother. I don't care how big they are. You backtalk your mother, see you. There's the door. Don't let it hit you in the backside on the way out. Not going to happen. 
You say, why? Because I'm not going to let that happen in my house. Uh, we're, if we expect people to follow the rules in our own home, why do we think God doesn't have any rules? You know, the closer we get to God, the more we should want to do things the way he wants. Plain and simple. Let me say this. Church is not a holy place. But it is God's house. Uh, we're not to be rebellious and tell him what rules we like and which ones we're going to obey and we're going to reject the rest of them. That's why I think it's wrong for a church to have uh, the world's styles and the world's music and the world's uh, entertainment in it. Everybody doing okay? Say why? Well, they want the best of both worlds. No, I just want God. I think we desecrate the house of God when we bring man's religion into it. It's the house of the living God. Not some dried up false god with a fat belly called Buddha. Everybody doing okay? Did you know church is not supposed to be a museum? I forget where I, I thought. I think it's the National Cathedral down in D.C. There's a whole bunch of people buried in that building. You know how creepy it is to go to church in a funeral home. They got all the spooky music with the uh, pipe organ. You know, you think Oh, it's it's holy. No, that's creepy. Uh, you know, I don't want to be sitting in church next to. Some dead body. Now, some of you, the way you act, you're dead, but it, we hadn't carried you out of the house yet. But, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's supposed to be God's house, not a museum or a funeral home. Amen. May I say something? Then if it's God's house and he has rules, how about we just decide we're going to be there, join it, and be a part of it? Amen. I can tell you this. There's nothing magical about church. It's not Disney, thanks. God. But it will tell you this. When you're part of it, your spiritual life will change. Amen. Next. We're going to get out a little early this morning. I'm hungry. Uh, uh, no. Uh, second of all, I love this statement. God says that the church is the pillar of truth. The pillar of truth. A pillar is something that is stationary on the bottom and supports something much larger on top. It's kind of like these two little pillars out here on the porch. Uh, they're uh, 12 by 12s out there and they, they hold up. There's a steel beam in the middle of them and they're coated with that 12 by 12, but they hold up that porch. Now, that little 12 by 12 is much smaller than the entire porch roof but it helps hold it up that support is is there so that it can maintain a lot of weight and something much larger on top and the church is to hold up the truth of the word of god Amen. it is the pillar of truth a the church is to hold up the truth that means the truth is more important than the building too many churches today spend all their money on the building and there's no truth. 
I'm just going to go ahead and say it. And a church that doesn't support the, the King James Bible isn't even supporting truth. It's a lie. Amen. King James Bible is the word of God for the English-speaking people. As I said in Sunday school this morning, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the original. Amen. The very one God read to man word for word so that we would get it right that he wrote in heaven. And it's going to match the King James Bible in English. Everybody doing okay? Trust me, I know what I'm talking about here. Go do some study. Why is it then that the communist countries will allow any version of the Bible but the King James in them? Everything, and by the way, in our, in our statement of faith, be careful churches, when you say that the Bible is inspired in its originals, I have a problem with that. Because inspired means living, and this is the, the house of God. The church is the house of the living God. If there's no inspiration, there is no life. Amen. means it quit breathing. Well, I don't serve a dead God. I serve a living God. Amen. I serve a living God that's all-powerful. And the church is to support and hold up the truth of the word of God. I have a responsibility to preach the truth whether people like it or not. Amen. Say, well, preacher, I don't always like what you say. I don't always like what I say. But I still say it. Amen. You see, the church is to hold up the truth and the truth is more important than a building. Hey, the day we're more concerned about uh, the carpet or the hallway or the paint than we are a lost sinner getting saved is the day we need to get right with God. Everybody doing all right? Uh, Well, uh, before we open this building, (laughs) we have pictures of this somewhere. I told everybody, look, I'm going to write on the bathroom walls before anybody else does so that you can get it out of your system. So before we put... Uh, the final code on everything I wrote on preacher was here and be in the bathrooms. Amen. Both of them. We've got pictures of it. It didn't say preacher went here. It says preacher was here. Amen. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) See, I don't always like what I say. Uh, You see, I'm to hold up the truth. And what I wanted everybody to understand is somebody's going to come in someday and it's not going to be perfect. Guess what? But when we're more concerned about the building than we are people, we've got our focus in the wrong place. That's why there's no stained glass here. Amen, Mom? If you have to have stained glass to have a church, guess what? You're, You're putting more focus on a building than you are the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. The church is to lend stability to to the truth, not tear down the stability of truth. If a church does not hold the word of truth highly, and they say, well, uh, this is what the King James says, but it says this in this version, this in this version, and it means all these different things, and we really don't know what the word of God is. We just have to guess. We have just torn down the truth. Everybody doing okay? Yes. My Bible says in Isaiah 61.1, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Well, a trumpet's not quiet. 
even when a trumpet's played softly, it's loud. I know, I played one for over 20 years. My poor parents locked me in the basement every time I practiced for a while. <laughs> Shut every door and window in the house so the neighborhood didn't get sick. <laughs> Trust me. You see, when we start tearing down the truth, the pillar is not necessary. When the church programs and uh, become social programs and fellowship halls and we, be, and we have to have family centers and we have to have church socials and we have to have all these outreach things that are more important than a church service, then what good is the church? Amen. Everybody doing okay? <laughs> uh, the focus of everything that we do at Grace Baptist Church should be for holding up the truth. Amen. Can I tell you something? Even when I go hunting, I got the Bible and some tracks with me. Because I never know who I'm going to run into. Thank God I got them. Ran into a couple this week. Amen. You say, but preacher, that's a little radical. Might be a little radical, but look what God's doing here. You see, the church is a pillar. It's to hold up the truth, not tear the truth down. We're not supposed to, I'm not supposed to get up and say, well, we're not sure. The King James is an accurate translation, so we'll use it. Well, my Bible says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If man cannot live without every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then guess what? God's a filthy liar if there's no every word Bible somewhere. And he's no better than we are. But I just happen to know there's your every word Bible. It's called the King James Bible. They don't have it in the, uh, the, the, the rainbow version. It's not the HIV Bible, it's not the Alphabet Soup Bible, and it's not the Queen James Bible. It is the King James Bible. Uh, we have gone so stupid in our, our terminology these days. Well, God could be a man or a woman or binary or the... Good night. God is God. Hang it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Say, well, preacher, I don't think that you ought to preach that hard. Then don't, and then you could have a sissy britches preacher, but you got a man for a pastor. I don't have lace on my underwear or anywhere else. Say, why? Because God said I'm not supposed to. I'm to hold the pillar of truth. You're going to get shot at, you're going to get some stress. But it's all right. We'll hold the truth. Number three. I'm about to come unscrewed. The church is to be the ground of truth. Brother Scott, I'm going to shock you. Ha, huh, no pun intended. Did you know that the word ground there doesn't mean the earth? It's an electrical term. The word ground is an electrical term. It means a protection from shock, a common return for current or power. 
It is the direct connection to the earth so that you don't get electrocuted. And God says that the church is the ground for the Christian life. With no ground, you have no return power. No wonder we have powerless Christians all over the face of America today. Now, I hate electricity. I, don't, I barely like carrying an extension cord. But I, I just don't like playing with electricity. You say why? Because I can't see it. I don't understand it. And colorblind people aren't good with wires. Amen? I have enough respect for it that I'm not doing that. Old brother Hank down in South Carolina, a church I worked in, he was an electrician. He only had three fingers on that hand. He lost two of them in an 880 surge one day. He grabbed onto it and tore two fingers right out of his hand. He used to check 110 wires, lick his fingers and grab it. I'd say, Brother Hank, he said, it's okay. It just only lasts a second. I'm thinking... No wonder you only have three fingers. I got enough sense not to do that. Amen. Brother Hank, come lick this wire for me. Amen. <laughs> God says that the church is the ground. It is that place you come to protect from shock. It's that place you come for the power source to return so that you can be re-energized and it can go back out more powerfully. It is that direct connection between heaven and earth that we go to. The church is where God has a safe place for truth to be brought out. Folks, Aren't you glad that we're founded and grounded in the word of God here? It is the common current of God for people to return safely. I have a sermon illustration. I'm going to need your help. Hang on here. Take that out and go down the front aisle down there. Just walk around. Yeah, jump off the end of that thing. Yeah, don't plug it in yet. Just take it and go for it. Now, everybody watch this. This is something called an extension cord. You know what the job of the extension cord is? After he's done playing with it. You all right back there? Do me a favor. Plug it into that plug back there. Guess what? There's power There's power in that cord now. It's plugged into the power. Now hang on. See that little light? Shows that the power's on. Wait a minute. But it does no good unless I hook it up to something that needs power. What good is it? Oh, I could plug it into... Uh, this speaker down here and it would empower this speaker but watch this unplug it brother Anthony now the speaker doesn't work 
You can be plugged into this, but if you're not plugged up to the power source, what good is it? Plug it back in. Shazam. It works again. You see, the purpose of the extension cord is to take power from back there and bring power to here. Thank you. You can unplug it. I'm going to plug that back in. Maybe. You can bring it back up, Brother Anthony. You don't have to wind it. Just throw it up here up front. Now, everybody look at me. Now, Brother Anthony, I'm better looking. <clears throat> I, don't have to grow, I don't have to grow hair on my face to cover it up. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> he, he's just getting ready for when it falls out the top so that he's got the roots hanging out. Amen. Now, wait a minute. Our purpose as a Christian is to be an extension cord. We are to be plugged into the power source and taken everywhere we go, plug in into people that have no power. Plugging into people that need that power. You see, too many Christians and too many churches out there, they're plugged into the speaker. They're having feed the poor people day. They're having fill the shoebox for Christmas day. But they're not plugged into the power. They're doing all the things that, that, to help the community, but they're not plugged into the power source. Oh, I'm not against feeding someone who's hungry or clothing someone who's cold. I'm not against doing all those things. But when you do it and that's all you do, what good is it? I know missionaries, they want to be a medical missionary. So they go and they, they travel the world and they help people and hope that they'll ask about the gospel of Jesus. <coughs> they help thousands of people on the mission field and have two people saved. Well, they're going to die healthy and go to hell. I'd rather someone with no medical training go preach the gospel and as they get saved and watch thousands and thousands and thousands get saved and they die and go to heaven then heal their bodies for a period of time and give them no gospel and they die and go to hell. Everybody doing okay? You see, they're plugged into what needs plugged into out here, but they're not plugged into the source. They're not grounded into the source. That's why everything that we do ought to be founded out of a local New Testament Baptist church. I'm going to say something you may not like. I don't give a rip. I don't believe in sending children to a Bible college that's not founded in a local New Testament church. One of the biggest Christian universities in America today, two of them, Liberty University and Pensacola College. I call it Pepsi-Cola. Neither one of them are Baptists. Neither one of them are founded in a Baptist church. They're independent organizations. Everybody doing okay? I didn't say they were bad, but they're not, they're not God's way. I'm not against people using a Christian school as an outreach ministry, but I have a hard time sending everybody's kids to our Christian school and open up for a bunch of lost worldly people to come in and mess it up. Well, you're not going to have a big school. I'm not commanded to have a big school. I'm commanded to have a pure school. 
I'm commanded to have a right school. I'm supposed to use curriculum that's based out of a Baptist church and is right scripturally, not right with the government. Thank God. You see, the, the, the ground is, is, is there. That ground portion of things, it goes back to, uh, to the earth and keeps that electricity from jumping out and getting you. And the church is what keeps us grounded and allows us to be plugged into the power source so that we can take it everywhere we go and plug people in. That's what soul winning is all about. Being plugged into the source and handing out a gospel track, giving somebody the gospel, finding somebody discouraged and trying to encourage them, finding somebody's hurting and lift their burdens and do the things that we're supposed to do as a church, but you better be plugged into the right source. Well, preacher, I went out and I was plugged into here and I was plugged into there and I was plugged into there. Yeah, but you left the plug out of the wall and it doesn't have any power. <laughs> you see, God says, But if I tarry long, that thou know, mayest know how thou also behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground. Of truth. The church is pretty important. It's God's house. He wants us here. He wants us to spend time here. He wants us to be together as family. I think we ought to join it. The same price for your salvation was given for the church. Maybe we ought to do it his way. Maybe we ought to get plugged in and help be that ground. Maybe we ought to jump in and be that support to hold up the pillar of truth. So that more people can get the truth. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Let me ask you a question. Do you know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven? If not, you could know that for sure. All you have to do is walk down that aisle in a moment. We'll take the Bible and show you in just a matter of two or three, four minutes how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Maybe somebody here has been saved. You've never been baptized. We can take care of it today.